In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Religion is part of society and how it functions. That's just an inescapable fact. And religions, of course, also functions differently in different parts of the world. This becomes especially apparent when we talk about subjects like migration and globalization. For example, in 2015, as most of you probably know, there was a refugee crisis. A lot of people were forced to flee their homes in the Middle East and North Africa due to war or political instability. And this meant that there were a lot of new arrivals on the European continent. People who brought with them their families, their religions, and their cultures. Now, migration is nothing new, of course. This stuff happens all the time. But the refugee crisis in 2015 really made this subject a very hot topic of debate. Not everyone was happy about the new arrivals in Europe, while others had a more welcoming attitude. But regardless of your stance on that subject, what I think we all want is for the process of migration and immigration and to some degree also integration to function as smoothly as possible. And one aspect that is very important to understand for this process to go smoothly is to understand how the backgrounds, cultural, religious and so on, of these migrants affect their experience of migration and integration into their new home countries. Indeed, religion, of course, is a very significant factor, and yet it is one that many people, including a lot of politicians, don't have much knowledge about. In order for immigration policies and processes to work smoothly, we not only need an increased religious literacy generally, but also a better understanding of how religion and migration work together and how they influence each other. So how does migration affect religion and how does religion affect migration? 
The scholarship on migration and religion is surprisingly thin. There have been some great studies and literature produced about religion and migration in the United States in particular, but not much at all about other parts of the world, like even Europe, for example. And of course, there probably are some significant differences here. However, I do think that some of the conclusions of the American studies do carry over universally and can tell us a lot about how these things usually function. Now, the first thing that needs to be kept in mind and something that should be obvious to most people is that cultures and religions are internally diverse and they never come as fixed packages. This means that migrants, even if they come from the same place and practice the same religion, can have very different ways of relating to that religion and in how they implement and how that affects their lives in well, both at home to begin with but also specifically in their new country of residence. The sociologist Peggy Levitt has written a book called God Needs No Past in which he talks about these subjects and she says quote moving towards a deeper religious pluralism also means letting go of the expectation that cultures are coherent wholes cultures are not made of a single tightly woven fabric but rather cloths of diverse changing threads this seems obvious to many of us, but not all. Religions and people are complex, and their identities can be multifaceted. There are those who are very critical towards religion and want to see it eradicated, for example. There are also those who are what you could call religious exclusivists, who adhere very strongly to a specific religion and believe that they hold a monopoly on the truth, as well as often wanting to change the opinions of everyone else or wanting to convert them, basically. But the vast majority of people people and migrants fall into the middle. They often have a certain loyalty to their culture of origin, of course, but they are also willing to make compromises and adjustments to their religious faith or practice in order to live a comfortable life in a new place. And this is where the most significant part of our discussion takes off. How then does the religious identities and practices of migrants interplay with their national identities and new cultural contexts? Well, in a lot of ways, actually. Uh, one thing that may be surprising to some people is that research shows that when a migrant moves to a new country uh, where they practice a different religion, for example, than in their home country, this actually strengthens their practice or their adherence uh, or identification with their uh, native religion. Or in layman terms, when a person moves to a country where they practice, the majority practice another religion, they become more religious rather than less religious. Or to put it less problematically, they become more conservative, perhaps, in their native religion. Take, for example, a hypothetical Muslim man from Pakistan who moves to a country like the United Kingdom or, let's say, Sweden in this case. Now, many people may expect that because they move to a country that is very different, that is secularized and all this, that this will result in a gradual shift away from his old culture, his native cultural religion, uh, and a move towards a more, you could say, Swedish uh, way of life. But to the contrary, in many cases, it actually shows the opposite, that this 
kind of experience only makes people uh, identify more with their native religion. It's pretty natural, really. If any of us be have been on a trip or, or sort of vacation to a country that is very different from our own, we often start, when we feel very out of place, we often start to identify more with our home country. For example, I've never felt as Swedish or white as when I stayed in a small village in southern Senegal. What often happens to migrants and their religious affiliations is that when confronted with a new environment that feels different, we hold on to what we feel is our own identity or origin as a means of safety. This often results in an increased activity in the religious community or the general practice of the religion. The local religious community becomes, according to Martha Fredericks in her article Religion, Migration and Identity, a quote, home away from home or a kind of safe haven. Quote, in those situations where migrants experience marginalization in the destination country, religious communities also serve as sheltered spaces where people's dignity and self-worth is affirmed and where their talents are appreciated. It thus also seems to be the case that the more a migrant feels oppressed or unwelcomed in their country of residence, the more likely they are to turn to their culture of origin as an identity marker. An extreme case of this is that many of those who turn to religious fundamentalism in Europe, for example those who chose to travel to Syria and fight for ISIS, are often people who feel very marginalized, unwelcome, or who feel that they don't have an identity. Of course, there's a lot, there's one aspect of this very complex situation, but it is definitely one um, very important factor in this kind of behavior, according to many uh, psychologists and, and, and researchers. But most people aren't those people, of course, and yet religion often becomes a very important part of the migration experience. As already mentioned, the local religious community often becomes a home away from home, and spaces are often created by those communities to create a sense of belonging or even a kind of sacredness. Now, I've spent a lot of time with Muslim communities in Stockholm, here in Sweden, or specifically with Sufi communities from West Africa, and always during such meetings there is a sense of creating a kind of sacred space, or of uh, making Muslim space, to quote the title of Barbara Metcalf's excellent uh, book on this subject. Certain clothes are worn, certain decoration or incense is used, for example, music is played, all to create a sense of home, or a sense that a room or a space feels like Islam, or feels like Senegal in this case. This is often known as ritualization, and is a very important part of religious practice. It is the way or a way that sacredness and, and a specialness is created and maintained through different means, such as what I just mentioned, like wearing certain clothing, behaving in a certain way, having certain music or incense. All this is called ritualization, which creates a sense of sacred space. But as always, we must remember that there is always diversity here. Everyone reacts differently to the experience of migration. And remember, like I said in the beginning, cultures or religions never come as fixed packages. But what is certain and very important is that the identities of individuals who migrate are very complex. 
For example, we often like to believe that when a person migrates to a country like Sweden, then that means that they will become Swedish and all their religious activity will take place within Sweden as a national state. But this is not how it works. In fact, religious communities and individuals are always part of vast transnational networks. Every local mosque or church is part of these transnational networks which shape them and the individuals connected to them. The religious or national identities of migrants are almost never one-sided. They tend to be, as I said, very complex. People can hold often multiple citizenships and have a loyalty to multiple places at the same time. And this, of course, includes religion. To return to an earlier reference, this is actually the main subject of Peg Levitt's book God Needs No Passport. In the book, she urges us to abandon looking at migrants simply from the perspective of their new country of residence. Instead, she argues migrants often belong to vast networks that span across national borders and which often strongly connects them with their country of origin and its religious communities. The labels with which people identify are often very complex and complicated and rarely include only one community. Migrants often view themselves, in the case of the book, as, for example, both American and Pakistani at the same time, or as both Hindu and American at the same time. These religious networks manifest themselves in vastly different ways and varies, of course, from community to community. Quote, they contribute financially to these groups, raise funds to support their activities, host visiting religious leaders, seek long-distance guidance from them, participate in worship and cultural events during the return visits, and are the subject of non-migrants' prayers. Other migrants participate in religious pilgrimage, worship certain saints or deities, or engage in informal popular religious practices that affirm their enduring ties to a particular sending country group or place. This is what we often get so wrong about our immigration policies. We fail to see the complexities of identity and the transnational networks that it includes. We should really stop looking at religion and, and the identities of migrants through the very narrow lens of nation states, but instead see how these vast networks are very important for the lives of migrants and, of course, for their religious lives. For example, to return again to my own research and background, I I have spent a lot of time with West Africans from the Tijani and Murid brotherhoods of Sufism. And when it comes to the Tijanis, for example, uh, specifically the group of Tijanis that I've spent time with, they have a sort of spiritual religious leader whose name is Sheikh Abdurrahman Bari and who lives in Senegal. But despite the fact that these live in these two communities live in on different continents, the community I spent time with in Sweden and the Sheikh lives in Senegal, there's a very strong contact between these two. The Sheikh, for example, visits the local community regularly. He holds speeches about how to live well in Swedish society, on how to respect local customs and laws, while also holding on to their own tradition at the same time. Uh, the local, the diaspora community also goes on pilgrimages to Senegal and the Gambia for similar reasons. Clearly then, the sheikh in Senegal and the community there has a significant impact on the lived experience of migration and integration for the diaspora community in Sweden. They are very much still connected to their home country and the religious institutions there, but at the same time, they see themselves as Swedish citizens who are very patriotic and proud of being part of Swedish society as well, respecting the laws and the customs here. In other words, they're 
identities are complex and multifaceted. These transnational networks are in constant conversations with themselves and are influenced and affected by the experiences of migrants. It is no doubt that living in a new place also impacts and affects the lived religions of these individuals. As Martha Fredericks clearly points out in the article Religion, Migration, and Identity, quote, Migration affects and transforms the beliefs, practices, and community formation of the people who migrate. That much might be clear by now. But since these communities are part of larger networks, this means that the experience of migrants also impacts and affects those who are still back home. Quote, for one, sometimes migration is as much about the people who stay behind as it is about people who move. Just as, for example, the sheikh in Senegal has a direct impact on the religious beliefs and practices of the diaspora community, so the diaspora community itself and their experiences have a direct impact on the religion as practiced in the home country as well. This is sometimes referred to as the feedback loop, and is something that is quite understudied in this field. And yet it is a significant aspect of the story about religion and migration. Quote, Migration not only affects non-migrants in destination countries, but also non-migrants in the countries of origin are affected by migration. So far, little research seems to have been conducted into the feedback loop, investigating how migrants' experiences, beliefs, and practices in their new country of residence via transnational networks influence and change religious practices and beliefs in their country of origin. This is a lot to digest, and we aren't going to get lost in the bottomless holes of academia here today, but all of this points to some of the most significant and important aspects that we need to consider when talking about migration and religion and how they affect and influence each other. Bottom line is this, things are complex. Migrants and their cultural or religious identities are never one-sided. They don't come in fixed packages, but with a massive variety of attitudes and experiences. If we want to achieve better policies of immigration and create opportunities for immigrants to thrive, feel welcomed, and avoid creating unnecessary conflicts, we need to better understand these things. We need better religious literacy in general to understand where people are coming from. We need to understand the complexities of religious belief and practice. We need to understand that people's identities are usually multifaceted and take into account the transnational networks that they belong to, how they affect the experience of migration and integration, and how we can utilize all of this to create a more pluralistic, more understanding society. I'll see you next time. are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.